Welcome to You, Me, Empathy. Thank you for listening. We would like to remind you that this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. Please consider supporting the show. Check us out on Patreon or simply leave a review on iTunes. Here is your host and creator of the show, Known Wells. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy. My name is Known Wells, and I am the creator and host of this show. This is episode 28. I sit down with my friend Elizabeth Lame of the Totally Lame podcast. We talk about grief as a parent, from talking to your kids about grief to protecting our kids from pain. Elizabeth also opens up about being a parent, mental health and parenting, how she was impacted by the loss of her own parents, the balance between what she tells her kids and what she wants to protect her children from, finding her identity, using humor to process her feelings and grief, and some mental health tips for parents and uh, for folks dealing with grief. So it's a really good episode. It's it's a little bit on the shorter side, this episode. Uh, Elizabeth only had a, a small window uh, of time uh, because her kids' nap schedules change, and that happens. And so, but it's still chock full of goodness, and um, I just love chatting with Elizabeth. She's great. Definitely go check out her podcast, Totally Lame, and support them on Patreon. They're uh, delightful her and her husband, Andy. So, I hope you enjoy this episode. Before I get to that, I wanted to call out a new iTunes review. This one is from Holly Shearer. Hey, Holly. Holly says, Empathy, healing, connection. What we all need but are afraid to ask for is delivered beautifully through this podcast each week. Thank you, Known, for the work you do and being such a beautiful human. If I if I could have half your empathy, I look forward to continue to learn from you. Ah, uh, Holly, that is so sweet, and it warms my heart. And you guys, you can also leave Yumi Empathy a review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It uh, helps out the show. I want more reviews, and I'll read them here on the podcast because they make me happy and I need that happiness. So please do this for me. This is a self-serving thing that I need. Please make my life better. I love you. Okay, enough of that silliness. Get into this episode. Enjoy it. Episode 28 on Grief as a Parent with Elizabeth Lame. to You, Me, Empathy, a podcast about exploring the struggles we face in our day-to-day lives as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our neuroses, our mental illnesses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic, and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand-in-hand, Break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being human. Yumi Empathy is a safe place, a conversation between friends, a place to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today, I am grateful to take another empathy journey on the topic of grief as a parent 
with the Oprah of podcasting, comedy writer, performer, and the voice behind the greatest approximation of a pterodactyl sound ever put to Instagram, <laughs> Elizabeth Lame. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, thank you for having me. What a what an intro. <laughs> I had to throw that pterodactyl thing in because I saw you post that on Instagram and it uh, it tickled me greatly. Well, I'm so glad that that's now getting out there because that's all I want to be known for. It's one of those. It's one of those skills that I'm like, I've always thought it was something notable, and finally, it's getting the recognition. <laughs> I am so happy for you. It should be in your Wikipedia page. I think it should be the only thing in my Wikipedia page. <laughs> I concur. It is delightful. Well, um, thank you for being on Yumi Empathy. Uh, you are a delight, and uh, I just feel honored to have you. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, of course. So before we get into grief uh, as a parent, uh, we always start the show just with a an emotional check-in. How How's your day going? How is your week, Elizabeth? My day has been awesome. Um, I have two toddlers, and... Weekends, we call them family days, and um, we woke up and had crepes, and then we went on a long family walk, which is like the first exercise I've gotten in a really long time, which was awesome, and then we had lunch, and uh, my husband is setting up a telescope, like it's a very... Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, easygoing, fun family day, which I love. Um, This week has been... It was my first week after my first um, staff writing job for TV, which was for the last five months, and it was hard. It was like mm. strange, a strange reentry into life and being back with the kids because my husband had really picked up the slack during my job, and I missed them terribly, but it's also just you know, it's switching gears very abruptly. And in the meantime, I'm also, I thought I'd have like a few weeks of just relaxing, but the panic of not working and what job is happening next started like Monday at nine (laughs) 30. I didn't. So it's been a, it's been challenging. I, I felt really overwhelmed and stressed out this week. Um, so today has been really nice. That's nice. Yeah, I, you know, first of all, I want to say congrats on, uh, and the listeners should know that the show that you were writing on was I'm Sorry. Uh, is that right? It's called I'm Sorry. Yes, on I'm, True TV. On True TV, yeah. And that's that's awesome. That's congratulations for getting that. But I, I totally Thank empathize you. with the idea that, um, I mean, that's that's a jarring transition to go from sort of being there every day in the, you know, in the writing room with, you know, all these people then back to, you know, back, back home with the kids. And, you know, that that has to be a jarring transition. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I was ready for it in many ways, but, um, it is jarring. Yeah. It's (laughs) jarring. I think it would be intense even without the anxiety of what's next. Right. But that added on to it has sent me like, I feel like I wasn't really able to be at present with the kids, which then made me feel guilty because I haven't been spending very much time with them, obviously over the last five months um, besides weekends. And so I'm like, I want to do better next week, <laughs> but I just had to get through this week. So yeah. first week back, yeah. you know, yeah. give your, give, be kind to yourself. It's your first week back. Yeah. 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 That's good. Has the, um, <laughs> you know, has the being on that show, do you feel like you have maybe a little better shot at getting maybe a second gig writing gig? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And I'm not even worried about not getting another gig. It's just like, when is it going to happen? Will it happen like soon enough that financially things aren't dire? Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's more about timing and stuff or like how long I'm looking at the barrel of summer and like, do we need to sign them up for camps or get childcare organized or not? You know, all of this stuff, I get bogged down in the details, but, um, 
I also have to just trust it's all going to work out because it always has. <laughs> right. Despite my best intentions of worrying it into existence. <laughs> so We're pretty good at that, worrying about stuff that is sometimes out of our control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my specialty. <laughs> I think it's all of our specialties. But I, I will say to you that, you know, obviously I don't know you, but, you know, you are, I listen to your shows and you're talented and you'll you'll find something. And I, I definitely empathize with the sort of anxiety around, like I was a freelance writer and editor, uh, not in that, not in the entertainment universe, but for a while. And that in and of itself is sort of anxiety inducing because you don't know when the next thing's going to happen. And, and having kids on top of that, I, I can understand that that being, um, you know, sort of added anxiety. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll find something. I, I believe in that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm, I like talking about it objectively. I do feel like it's, don't worry. It's fine. Just this week. I don't know what was going on. It's just a weird, I, I like to have like, I loved being in the room cause I like structure. Right. I like knowing what's happening and like looking ahead and seeing what's coming, which is part of this industry. You, you just don't have that luxury, um, beyond small chunks of that. So, uh, I think I just have to adjust to the unknown and, um, you know, yeah. try to be present is the yeah. best I can do. So Yeah, that's great. <laughs> great <Eep>. advice. <laughs> well, I'm going to skip my emotional check-in this week because my emotions don't matter. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, because we only have you for a little bit of time and I want to get into your story, Elizabeth, and uh, explore this topic of grief as a parent. And obviously, I am not a parent of humans. I'm a parent of creatures. But um, I think the idea of grief as a parent is is a really important topic. And I, I want to maybe start with first, maybe start with your experience with grief before you were a parent. Um, sure. <laughs> it's what I lead with. Right. Um, I realized the other day, I was like, I don't think I have that much more time <laughs> to lead with this as I get older and older, but, um, kind of the defining thing in my life that happened was when I was 19, my mom passed away from cancer and then 10 months later, my dad passed away. So I really kind of look at my life as before that. And then since then, um, Cause it really, I think, I think at any point when you lose a parent, it is like, regardless of your relationship and even people who have, you know, negative relationships with their parents can, I think come with even more or a different sort of devastation. But I had really positive relationships with my parents. And I think during that time when it was such a pivotal, like, rite of passage into adulthood. And I just had to like grow up immediately, but I wasn't a grown up, mm -hmm. um, was really challenging in a way that I think I'm, I've probably just processed it in the last five or six years, how profoundly it really did affect me. And part of the way I've processed it is because I talk about it all the time, still almost I'm 38 now, so almost 20 years later. Um, and I think to what we're talking about today, one of the things that really opened that up for me has been becoming a mother. Mm -hmm. um, so the grief I went through was, I mean, obviously, I think, profound. and How did you... Um, sorry to interrupt, but I'm, I'm no, curious about how, you know, first of all, I'm deeply sorry. That's, um, you know, no one should have to go through that. And especially at the age of 19, you know, I, I'm th I think of myself at the age of 19 and I was, you know, just a, a doofus delinquent uh, with no sort of 
identity really formed, how how did you like what what kinds of things were you doing to sort of get by at that time? Yeah, I think you know I became really lost, and I think the identity thing was huge for me. Um, I that kind of became a joke in my life that I kept trying on different identities mm-hmm. to cling to something. Um, but at that time in my life, so I was in college. I was a sophomore when my mom died and I was a, oh wait, I was, yes, it was my sophomore year when my mom died and nope. Yes. Sorry. I get them all mixed up. I guess I was a junior when my dad died. And what I did was, um, I, kind of threw myself into schoolwork. Like I took as much of a course load as I could because I just wanted to get out. Right. Um, And so I like took double, a double load. I barely passed. Like I did, I did what I kind of pride myself in as like the most efficient way of getting out quickly, Mm -hmm. which was to take as much on as I could Normally I probably would have had like a B plus average, but I graduated with like a C C minus average because I was just trying to get out. Um, and I wanted to pursue acting and, you know, I moved to West Hollywood and I, I was lost. Like I moved in with a guy the first second I met him because I was like, Oh, this will be my husband and then we'll have children when I was 20. <laughs> like, <laughs> thank God that didn't happen. Um, but, and then there was this other weird thing where um, I inherited what seemed like a lot of money. And now as an adult, I realized like it wasn't nothing, but it's something I should have really used in a much smarter way, like that could have facilitated, um, uh, different things in life versus I just like, I bought a ridiculous car, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, stuff that I just shouldn't have been doing. And I didn't realize that that amount of money that sounded really big at 19 really isn't that big and could have just given me some padding. (laughs) So there were things I was doing and I have my sister who's three years older than me, but she was, she graduated from college and was falling in love with her future husband and kind of was starting a life. Whereas I feel like I was just leaving a life. Right. Right. You were, you were young, still figuring it out. mm -hmm. Yeah. What, you know, um, it makes sense, right? That you, and I'm sure you've learned this, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, in therapy or just dealing with it. You know, the last five years you mentioned, it makes sense. You go through a trauma like that, you know, we, an inexplicable one, right? That that makes us feel out of control, and mm-hmm. and we want to, you know, you sort of delve deep into school and you, you sort of took that on as like, this will be my focus. And, and you sort of took probably more on than, than you would have normal normally. And then you, you use money to buy things that you maybe didn't need like that, that behavior like makes total sense to me after experiencing a trauma like that, because you probably, I mean, I guess I'm asking, you probably felt a little out of control, right? Yeah, I felt just completely untethered. Yeah. From the world. Right. Um like I felt like I I completely lost my identity and I think part of my identity became this like person who's going to be an actress who has money <laughs> that uh-huh. she didn't earn. Um having that guy move in like now I'm girlfriends. Sure. Um, supportive girlfriends and I, checking boxes, yeah, checking boxes. And it wasn't until I moved to New York, I, that guy and I broke up and, uh, I moved to New York on a total whim. One of my childhood best friends was moving there and said, why don't you come? And I said, all right. And it was with that group of friends who had known me for so long. And, uh, being in a city where, whoever you are, I don't know, 
something about the city having its own identity. It, it just gave me a sense of security. Okay. And it felt like this is something I would have been doing potentially, even if my parents were alive, I would be going out on my own, moving to New York, maybe. And it gave me like a sense of, yeah, individualism. Because before I was always like, if my parents were alive, what would I be doing? I had no idea. Um, So, and then also with those friends, like laughing and realizing I was funny I had kind of forgotten that and um, therapy definitely helped. I mean, the grief continued and continues to this day is just a different version of it. But I was really, when I think about that time after college from like 20 years old to 23, it literally, my memories are in like sepia tones. Mm. It's not even in color. Wow. It just was like uh, kind of not meaningless, but like there was no depth to my experience. Right. Yeah. That's well put. It was muted. You were, you were doing what you could to, to get by. Exactly. In New York, when you were in New York, you know, you had mentioned, I think, um, that, you know, in some interview or something, I forget where, but that humor sort of helped you grieve. Can you talk about that a little bit? Definitely. I mean, it still does to this day, like in the, I'm sorry, writer's room. I did lots of dead parent jokes and I (laughs) find (laughs) a lot of joy in that. And well, first of all, I think humor as a tool of identity was super helpful for me. Mm. Like I started doing stand up, and I mean, it wasn't great, but I just self-identifying as this thing that I felt like was really positive was important. And then just being able to use humor to deal with challenges in general is I think one of the greatest tools at our disposal because, and I, I just read um, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now mm-hmm. like a couple of months ago. Sure. And I realized he talks about like stepping outside of yourself and objectively looking at what you're going through, your feelings. And I think that's probably what your emotional check in is where you can go, wow, you're upset because this car just cut you off or whatever. And then if you can find humor in that, like, oh my God, I'm freaking out over this little thing or whatever, or like, look at this person who is flipping me off (laughs) based on nothing, you know, whatever. I think that that has that power of like bringing us into the present moment, not taking ourselves too seriously and recognizing, I think kind of a joy even in, hard times. And I almost, I mean, not the little moments, but when I have things happen that make me uncomfortable or whatever, oftentimes my first instinct now is like, Oh, will this be a good story? Mm. Mm -hmm. And I love (laughs) having stories. I love having interactions and I love people. And I, I, I think having good stories that come out of bad things is um, another tool that I've learned through having humor, which I kind of really leaned into after getting to New York. Mm -hmm. And it takes, like, I agree with all of that. And I think that's so important, but it takes, you know, it takes a person who is willing to be honest about their experience and willing to be vulnerable about their experience, you know? Yeah. I, and I, I think also, you know, when I, I know that there are people who deal with emotional or mental health issues that to say, Oh, like find the humor in something sounds absolutely asinine because Mm -hmm. where they're at is probably similar to where I was at when I felt really muted and humorless and kind of joyless 
which I relate to completely, but I, I think that, um, I think that that's kind of a beautiful thing coming from feeling pain and suffering is to, you kind of do have to be vulnerable. Yeah. And then from that can grow, you know, the ability to find joy and stories and stuff, even when, when things are going terribly. Yeah. We're not always going to be successful. We're going to, you know, I always say on this show that all emotions are valid. Uh, it's how we use those emotions and how we express them. And if we're feeling angry or, 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 you know, deeply depressed or something and it, looking inward can be a harder experience, but, um, doing so, I mean, the only chance we have at like sort of learning and growing is, is looking inward and sort of understanding, like doing that emotional check-in and saying, Hey, why, why am I feeling this way? Sometimes it's, you know, there, there's no answer there and, and we sort of just push through it. But mm-hmm. I think, um, we have to sort of look, look inward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, let's talk about how sort of you experience grief as a parent. I'm, I'm really sort of curious about how, well, one, I, I'm curious of how, like, your sort of overall mental health has been impacted by becoming a parent. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything has changed. Um, I would say I was prepared to go through postpartum depression. And while I did have some anxiety, um, oftentimes that will, postpartum depression will present as, just overwhelming anxiety that you're going to hurt the baby or you're not equipped to do this or it, you know, it can be paralyzing because mm-hmm. it's just this fragile thing um, that depends on you. So I was lucky enough to avoid that. And I, um, but it, something did start creeping in for me around seven months after becoming a mom where I became obsessed with looking at these children. There were a couple of, I don't even know how I found them, but these kids on Instagram who were battling cancer. Mm. And I mean, it was devastating. And um, I became obsessed and terrified with the idea of that happening to us. Um, to a point where it got me back into therapy and back on medication, um, which definitely helped. But it was pretty, I mean, it seemed so obvious that my mom passed away from cancer. And while I was very close to and loved my dad, my mom was really my like, you know, she, I still think of her as a soulmate. I don't know what the deal is after we die, but I sure <laughs> feel yeah. like you know, she's a special something to me here and beyond. Yeah. And so when they died, they were really the most important people in my life and especially my mom. And, um, when you have a child, even as my, I, I love my husband so much and he actually to me, you know, represented a retethering of me to the world, um, in a huge way. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, I feel like everything wonderful in my life right now has come from, is like directly related to us. Um, me, you know, well, he's a psychic, so he saw the future. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so for your listeners, I call him psychic Andy, He's good at guessing numbers, Um, (laughs) but I won't say he's completely psychic, but um, a girl can dream. (laughs) Anyway, so having a child is now this thing is the most important human in my life and loving someone that much comes with the grief of losing them. Mm. And it's something I had never experienced before. And, 
it made me scared to love that heart. You know, it was like, I, I mean, I felt very connected to my daughter when she was born and those first few months, the connection grows deeper and deeper. And I think I had to, that was my way of trying to process the grief hmm. in order to fully surrender to how much I loved her. So it's like, say, it's like a, almost like a preemptive grieving. Yes. Interesting. And that's, that is what, you know, women who have these terrible postpartum anxiety and depression situations where they can't sleep, um, be like at all, even though they're already sleep deprived or they're, they can't leave the bed cause they're scared that they're going to drop the baby. And it's like all of these unfounded fears it is almost a preemptive. Um, the best way I can describe it, which this is again, forgive me because this might sound really abrasive to people who don't know me and my sense of humor. Um, my friends who are in comedy, we all have pretty dark and open sense of hu- senses of humor. Oh, I'm with my you. Friend who, okay, good. My friend who also became a mother around the same time as I did, um, when our kids were like starting to toddle around, she was telling me that they have a pool and there was one time they have like a cover on the pool and stuff. And they're very careful around the pool, but even getting the pool put in before when, before she was pregnant, she had this terror of something happening around the pool with her kid. And one day she thought their babysitter was watching him. The babysitter thought she was, him and they just both realized that no one had had eyes on him for two minutes Mm. and she like started running to the pool and she said in those in those seconds her thought process went from like oh my god oh my god oh my god I'm gonna see him in the pool um to like okay he's and by the way he wasn't he was totally fine he wasn't near the pool but her thought process was like I'm gonna see him floating in the pool then it was like, okay, he's definitely going to be in the pool. Then it was like, he's dead. I'm almost relieved now because I can just kill myself and get it over with. Like there was a relief that came with that, which I feel like that summarizes it perfectly in the sense of like the terror of thinking of it happening is so intense that the thought of the, thing that you're scared of happening would come with a sidecar of relief because you could just kill yourself and get it over with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great way of stating how I felt. It was just, um, you know, and not to joke about people who have lost children. I mean, the point is it's the scariest fucking thing I can imagine. So, yeah. I mean, you're uh, living in a, a state of like heightened emotion at all times. Cause you love these beings so deeply, like, you know, more than anything you can imagine or ever imagined. Right. Yes. And it was interesting because with my son, so my son was born actually the next calendar year. He was born 20 months after my daughter. And, um, kind of had the same thing. It wasn't the children with cancer on Instagram, but it was, Oh God, what was it? It was just any time my husband left with one of the kids to go run errands or whatever. I was completely paralyzed and couldn't do anything. and was just waiting to hear sirens or mm. was planning how like, you know, depending on what happens, you know, what I was going to do, it was going really deep and it was bad. So back into regular therapy, I went (laughs) (laughs) and, um, it helped immensely, but, and this is a dark picture. I I do want to say this came, I, I didn't feel the way I think, unfortunately, some moms with postpartum feel where they're just like, can't, I I was living a productive life. Mm -hmm. This just was part of it that I immediately recognized was not healthy or normal um, and that could probably 
be helped with therapy and stuff like that. Right. Do you, do you think your, your, your kids have been impacted by your grief? Yes. And that was, I think that is a hard thing to deal with because I don't want to project stuff onto them, but I'm so weird about death and I don't know exactly what I believe in terms of what the point of us being here is and what happens to us after. And I have a lot of mixed emotions around that. And I think, you know, Teddy, my four-year-old understands that my parents have died. Okay. And she has had a lot of questions and also a lot of anxiety um, about death and being scared that she's going to die or being scared that we're going to die. And I feel uncomfortable lying to her because then I think, well, what happens if I do die? Right. And then that trust is completely shattered for her. And it's been hard to navigate because I do lie to her. I say, we're not going to die. You don't need to worry about that because her little four-year-old brain is too little to process any of that. Right. Yeah. Um, but she started to ask something about like, does everyone die? And I was so glad (laughs) to dodge that question because I'm not ready for it. But I think that my feelings about it have definitely, and I'm hyper protective of them in a way. I, I think, um, probably isn't true for all parents. I mean, not, not, not like obsessively where they don't experience things, but I'm just, I think I'm a little more, you know, like if Andy, Andy and I have gone out of town a couple of times and I've like left them notes in case something happens sort of thing. Okay. So, um, just something I live with and <laughs> we all function around and, yeah. but it, it is part of our lives for sure. And I hope one thing happened recently that was interesting that I'll share with you about our daughter was at her school because of the crazy gun culture in our country. Um, you know, they do lockdown drills hmm. and they have like a cute, you know, cupcake frosting name for, this drill. So the kids don't know what it's for, Oh man. but they That's say the depressing. drill. Yeah. They say, you know, cupcake frosting or whatever. And all the kids cram into a place and they never said what it was for, but out of all of the kids in her class, my daughter was the only one who totally freaked out, burst into tears. Um, doesn't want to do it, terrified to do it for weeks on end with saying, I don't want to do cupcake frosting. Mm. And I feel like she just knows and is intuitive in that way. And I don't know if it's because of my experience or what I've talked to her about. I mean, I haven't talked to her about that, but she, I think she has an innate fear of things that maybe other kids don't. And, you know, it breaks, I think that's because of me, but that was another situation where I had to lie to her uh-huh. and yeah. say, it's just a game. Nothing, you know, bad is ever going to happen. You have to listen to the teachers because then I'm like terrified of what happens if, you right. know, obviously. So, gosh, that's such a, a delicate balance. Cause you know, I'd imagine you, you know, deep down want to foster curiosity and honesty in your kids and stuff. And that's a good thing, but also like protecting them and, and understanding that like physiologically they, they can't wrap their brains around it yet. And so when does that happen? Like when, like I, I obviously I'm not a parent, but like, I uh, like that whole balance has got to be, it's gotta be tough. It is. It actually, we wrote stuff about this. Um, and I feel like, I think it, I think it's just age appropriate and it's also kid dependent, but, right. um, you know, and the truth is there are kids who are going to experience loss at an age where they can't really understand it or process it. And, 
I mean, it makes me jealous of people who are just like super Christian. <laughs> no, like, here's what you say. It sounds great. Listen, it's a lot easier. It's right? a lot easier. You have a you have a lot of sort of uh, literature to say, hey, this is why it happened, and you know, God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, and there's going to be clouds and rainbows. Yeah. Um. So, I think without that roadmap, it is tricky and. I would like to hold off having the bigger discussions as long as possible. But I think when I do is going to be very honest, like no one really knows. What do you think? And, um, here are some things that some people think this, some people think this, some people think this, I choose to think the thing that gives me the most comfort, um, that I can also not think is like totally insane. And, Sometimes that changes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely this, what we're talking about is probably the biggest thing I'm nervous about in parenting mm-hmm. in terms of like, because I have so much anxiety and stuff around it. I don't want to impart that on my kids, but, right. you know. I don't know. How So I know um, we're getting close to the time you need to go. So I want to ask you, what are some like, you know, dealing with grief uh, as a parent, you know, would you call out any sort of tips or things that you've learned, things that help you, you know, obviously therapy is one, but any, any sort of like day-to-day things that you do that help you sort of process that grief in a healthy way as sort of this identity as a parent? Uh, yeah, you know, I honestly learned so much from my kids in terms of feeling their feelings. And I, there are like a couple of parenting experts. Um, one is called or one is Janet Lansbury who does like gentle parenting. And um, there's one called aha parenting, which all kind of has the same, like approaching parenting with love and compassion, letting your kids feel their feelings, validating their feelings as trivial as it might seem to you. They are important to them. Right. Um, And I think those parenting tools have, I mean, I know it's not the direct route, but have helped me navigate just dealing with emotions and my kids. And it helps me with my emotions. Sure. Yeah. Those are good. I like that. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I guess we should start wrapping up because I know you need to go. Um, I did want to briefly mention, uh, you know, another sort of part of your, I'd imagine as part of your sort of grief journey, so to speak, is um, what recently came out uh, about your, you know, your sexual assault experience. And I just wanted to uh, say to you that I am deeply sorry that that happened, but I also am very proud of you for, for sort of what you've done in terms of connecting with others who've experienced that. And I was also curious, just like, how has that sort of played a role in your grief experience? You know, I, I thank you for that, by the way. And I feel, they feel very separate to me. Um, Okay. But it's interesting because I will say the assault thing that happened to me, which was by a voiceover coach and, you know, it it wasn't as horrific as it definitely could have been. And as some of the other women he assaulted had to deal with, I was able to kind of brush it under the rug emotionally. And, you know, back then it was like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm just going to move on it hasn't been until this whole thing started with the me too stuff that I have realized how much it did negatively affect me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like in that sense, it's been a process of healing. Uh, but to me it is different from than grieving. I I'd say maybe I was grieving the loss of what 
26 year old me felt then, which was like a loss of power. And I quit a career path I was excited about because of it. Um, which I honestly, it sounds crazy. I hadn't even linked to that experience, even though that was the last time I (laughs) did anything towards, I mean, when the assault happened, it was like over. And I still in my mind had, I don't know, blurred that, but I'd say it's similar in that with grief, you know, I thought I was like at a place in grieving and then I became a parent and things changed. And I think that just continues through your life. Sure. Um, and similar to this, I thought I was at a place with it and it hasn't been until I've heard from now over 60 other women who were assaulted by the same person, um, that I realized how much healing I needed from it and kind of have just been doing in the last six months, Um, and also it's been interesting. It's that objective thing again, because I can feel that for someone else. And I've talked to women who had horrible things happen to them and kind of would laugh it off and say, you know, this is like the least of our worries in entertainment. And me looking at that person with like compassion, because Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's so much self-protection happening there right? um, that it makes me recognize the same thing in myself. So I guess it's been an emotional journey in that way. Uh, Well, it's a beautiful uh, lesson in, you know, with the Me Too movement, you know, all all this horrific stuff has been happening, but it is like what you experience and and you sort of connecting with these others. It's a beautiful lesson in empathy and, and realizing we're not alone and the power of like healing through that fact, like realizing we're not alone is, is so huge. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It is. I awesome. think that's, yeah, you said yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we always wrap up the show um, talking about our empathy heroes. So someone in our life, uh, either living or dead, someone fictional uh, or not, um, just someone uh, doing great work in terms of empathy. Uh, do you want to mention your empathy hero first, Elizabeth? Or I can go yeah. first. doesn't matter. Why don't you go first? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I was recently traveling to Minnesota, and on my way back from Minnesota, um, I watched a movie called The Florida Project, and um, it's a beautiful story uh, about this young girl who's living in a pretty impoverished situation. And she's a first-time actor and, you know, <laughs> tremendously just like, it's it just a, such a moving uh, portrayal, like just such an honest, she's a kid. And it just, her 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 experience in that movie was so moving and I was just, I was bawling the entire, <laughs> the entire wow. movie. Um, just such a, a, an amazing, um, just an amazing job. And I, uh, I forgot the actor's name. I should know the actor's name, but the character's name is Mooney and she's adorable and just amazing. And everyone should go watch the Florida project. Cause it just made me feel, um, sad and depressed and, um, moved uh to uh ball in front of tons of strangers so i love that i have it on my desk i'm gonna watch it tonight i've been like meaning to see it so oh it's it'll 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 make you cry but it's really it's really worth it great yeah (laughs) bring it (laughs) so what about you empathy hero for you uh you know Mm, this is really tough. I am going to say uh, my mom, who I think, speaking of this parenting thing, that is kind of a new way of like parenting that I don't think existed before, which is really validating feelings and making your kids feel heard and getting on their level. Um, I think my mom did that instinctively and I I know lots of moms have, but I remember her always checking in with me and 
asking me what I thought about things. And one time I remember we were at a store and I went to um, buy something and the salesperson was really rude to me. And my mom went back to them and said like, will you please uh, speak to her like she's a human? Or maybe it was a doctor or something where I had been kind of ignored and brushed aside and she made a point of asking them politely, um, but asking them to acknowledge me in a way that made me just feel really like proud to be her daughter. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so, yeah. that's so, um, <laughs> that warms my heart. Cause I, I feel like we've all experienced in our lives that, that moment where there's someone who's your elder and they, they have this perspective that, you know, people who are younger than them, you know, are less than in some way. Um, and yeah. I always sort of despise that perspective. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome for your mom. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. This is so nice. Well, thank you for being on You, Me, Empathy, Elizabeth. I, uh, I'm glad I was able to chat for um, the brief time that we had, but I'm, I'm really grateful for you and what you're doing. And please tell the listeners where they can connect with you and listen to your uh, awesome podcast. Um, thank you. I will say, let's see, our podcast, Totally Lame, is on iTunes and, you know, wherever people get them. And then um, you can find me on Twitter at totally, wait, yes, at totally lame. And that's L-A-I-M-E or on Instagram at Elizabeth Lame, L-A-I-M-E. And thank you, Known, so much. I'm really sorry that this had to get cut short. I uh, didn't plan my <laughs> time accordingly to the new sleep schedule that my children have decided to be on. So oh. I... I'm no. really sorry. <laughs> oh, don't be sorry. There's no, there's no reason for that. Um, your kid's sleep is more important than my, than my podcast. So no worries. I'm just, I'm just happy to have you. And uh, so thank you. Thank, thank you. you. This was lovely. And For always. Yeah. And to you listeners, as I always say, I'm here, you're here. We're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring pale blue dot. We have each other. It's you, me, empathy.